Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. This All right, folks, welcome to another edition of Make It Plain. Happy to have with us today uh, a dear, dear comrade for many, many years. First met him. I guess it was back in the 90s when he was the head of the Race Relations Institute at Fisk University when my when my mother worked, have been following his work since then. He is now the director of the Urban Research Institute at Morgan State University, another one of our great HBCUs, and the author of Should America Pay? Slavery and the Raging Debate on Reparations. Now, folks, this is Reparations Action Week, a week of action for reparations. We are maybe a little over a dozen votes, maybe even less, uh, for H.R. 40 being brought to the floor for passage. Of course, this is the bill that would establish a commission to discuss and study reparations proposals, no longer to study whether there should be reparations. That was the original H.R. 40. This new H.R. 40 would be to study what forms reparations might take. And so with us, from Morgan State University. He and I were part of a, of a sit-down this weekend in Atlanta and in Daba on reparations, Dr. Ray Winbush. Hey, man, how are you, brother? Thank you for joining us. I'm doing fine, man. Good to see you in Atlanta this past weekend, too. Yeah, it was. Yeah. It was It was great to be seen and great to see you um, as, as well. Ray, let's start in general. Uh, what's your assessment? I, I know we're, we're closer to passage of H.R. 40 than we ever been um how does that look in terms of the overall state of the reparations movement today well you know i used to be able mark to keep up with almost every activity that was going on around reparations in the whole country actually the whole world (laughs) and like i mean that was probably five years ago now i can't and that's a good thing um, it, it's happening every place on the continent in Namibia, all through the United States. Every time I pick up a paper, you know, or read something, there's a new commission being started. There's one right here right. in Baltimore, uh, in, in Maryland, rather, in Greenbelt, Maryland. They just appointed a commission. So that's a good sign that finally, at the grassroots level, people are talking about reparations. 
H.R. 40, as you know, has always been talked about at the federal level. And it's, I mean, people knew about it at the grassroots level, but now it's being talked about locally. So um, the state of reparations is good. The resistance to H.R. 40 and reparations is bad. And it's an ever-present thing right now going on again all through the world. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and speaking of the, the local initiatives, uh, we know what's happening in Everston, mm-hmm. California, has a commission. That's actually a, a rather ingenious approach, isn't it? Because um, just like everything else is state to state, um, voting laws, election laws, um, city to city, policing uh, oversight. I mean, there's no federal address or agency to any of those things. So it makes perfect sense that we would approach reparations the same way, doesn't it? It, it really does. And, and I've said for years that in the final analysis, what is happening at the grassroots level is going to be where reparations really start taking hold. And it has done that. Um, you know, uh, I, I love what's going on in California because it's the first state to set up a commission on reparations. And I know the sister that's setting it up, Shirley uh, Weber, and we're old colleagues from National Council of Black Studies, and Shirley is like a pit bull on this issue. And so we're in good shape right now. We're positioned. Um, I'd say again that we are probably in the red zone, but we still got to get the ball over the goal line. No, No question about it. And it is good that there's more and more conversation yeah. in, in many places around the country. So you're, you're doing, you're involved directly yourself in some of the local analysis, some of the local work, aren't you? Yeah, we're doing a real deep dive. Uh, we were funded by Enterprise uh, Community Partners, the second largest public housing uh, organization, corporation in America. And we've been doing a deep dive into Washington, D.C., uh, they wanted us to do D.C. because they felt that at the city level, not the federal level, but at the city level, if we could get reparations in the district, it would be a, like a, you know, like a spark to ignite a, a major fire of reparations all over the country. So we we should be publishing that study about January or February of this year. But we have really gone deep into dc i learned a lot in the study of that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. It, it, so is the thinking that based on your study it might lead to uh reparations legislation at, at the city council level in dc absolutely uh kenya mcduffie one of the councilmen there uh he has introduced a resolution to talk about you know a commission again um i i was frankly unaware that D.C., because I always thought of D.C. as being a safe place for black people uh, Mm -hmm. to be even during enslavement, and it wasn't. Uh, We know about the story of Solomon Northrop. So we're going to be presenting all of these data to Kenyon, who's also seeking the office of attorney general for the uh, city as well. And he's positioned, and we've met with... uh, uh, Tony Williams, the ex-mayor, and so for a bunch of people. And we're, we're poised on this. And we, again, it's trying to get it over the goal line. Yeah, yeah, no, it's very important. And and what about your book, folks? I've been messing with Ray. 
because because I feel like we need and you know we need an uh, an updated edition. Uh, not that the old edition is obsolete, but you know, folks out here writing books, y'all, and claiming to be experts, um, hanging stuff out on their own show. Right. But we need we need brothers like Ray who are within our HBCUs. Um, I mean, what's the point of, of fighting for reparations if those in our own institutions aren't the major voices on this issue? Yeah, you know, it's funny. Cornell West spoke at Morgan about two weeks ago, and he, he gave me a shout-out. And, you know, he loves Should America Pay. And then someone told me, one of my colleagues at Morgan, I told him what you had said about I need to revise the book. Right. And he said, well, you don't revise the Bible. <laughs> I said... I said, well, you know, you got new translations of the Bible. He said, yeah, but you don't revise the Bible. And, you know, West always calls, should America pay the Bible or the reparation struggle? Um, I did a okay. slight prequel to that book, um, you know, with Belinda's petition a few years ago. And some, a lot of people said to me, hey, should America pay is too hard to read, you know. So I put I put out a book, 69 pages, you know, smallest book I ever wrote and so that people could digest it immediately, you know, and so I, I'm going to take a look at it. It was hard putting Should America Pay together, though. And and see, we, as yeah. you said, we've got these books out, and I don't want to mention anybody's name, but who are just talking about cut the check. And as you know, Mark, reparations is more than just cutting a check. But I've told people the reason why this one author is so popular on C-SPAN, every place else, is because the money that he's proposing, $17, 18000000000000 trillion, is like white folks can say, oh, we can get that back from black folk. Reparations got yeah. to take a lot of has to take a lot of different forms and will take a lot of different forms, money being one of them, but not all of it. Yeah, right, right, right. More MIP after this message. And also opportunity. You know, because one of the things I've been saying, Ray, there's this myth that white people were just born middle class and rich. They just they just came here that yeah. way. But there were things put in place to build the Absolutely. white in, into what it is today. And, and nobody wants to talk about that. And these were government programs they they got reparations. Uh, they got repair for what they didn't even need repair for. If 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 anything, that was welfare. That's right. Um, and and I mean that's fine. You know, nations have to establish that, but we weren't including that. And folks, again, you can see it most clearly in home ownership in America. Wealth is based on home ownership. Right. That's, let's face it. Ain't a whole lot else you can have here in this country and sustain yourself with. And we as African Americans were denied land and, and that, that type right. of opportunity. Uh, systemically, um, um, you know, they had homesteading on the land that we sold That's for right. them. We didn't get one dime of that as, as, as African people. Um, and, and I think we need to acknowledge that that was where the logic was going. That's what uh, uh, General Sherman's order was. And even Lincoln, before John Wilkes Booth assassinated him, said, you know, we're going to get these folks the right to vote. They mm -hmm. fought in this war. That's right. They got to vote. And then three or four days later, John Wilkes Booth um, killed Lincoln, said that was the last speech he would ever give. But there is a rich history here. Um, um, tell us a bit about Belinda's petition. I, I, I'd like for my audience to get a little bit of that knowledge. Belinda was in Massachusetts. Right, Metro, right? Massachusetts. Right outside of what what is now Tufts University. 
right outside of uh, mm. Boston, you know, and, um, y- you know, on your point, and I want to talk about Belinda, but, you know, Mark, we always associate intergenerational poverty with enslavement, you know, so we can, and that's part of the reparation struggle. What we never do, to your point, we never uh, associate intergenerational wealth among white people with enslavement. We got them mm. started. Um, and it's, it's reflected in Belinda. Uh, she was captured in Ghana. You know, this is, a, this is a Reader's Digest version of her life. She was captured in Ghana in 1715, uh, taken to Antigua, where the royal family with two L's uh, had, you know, purchased her, took her to Massachusetts, worked her for 50 years, which she actually says in the petition. Um, when At the outbreak of the Revolutionary War, you know, her so-called master, Isaac Royal, fled to Canada because he was on the side of the British. And when Belinda was alone with 53 others, she said, we're going to sue this dude. And she did in you know Massachusetts. They actually granted her um, the equivalent of about $1,500 a year, which was a lot of money there. What I found intriguing is that, you know, I've seen the original uh, petition up in Massachusetts, and it's a big X at the bottom where she signed. I said, well, if she was illiterate, who wrote this? And it was a sister that lived about five miles from her by the name of Phyllis Wheatley, who wrote the petition for mm. her. So we see these, you know, historical figures joining up in a trying to, you know, strive for justice uh, in Massachusetts in 1782. Yeah, yeah, no, that that is that is a, a, an amazing story and has been a part um, of our struggle. You're right, Ray. There is not enough of an acknowledgement. Of, of of white success and white wealth That's on right. the backs of our people. Um, there's now consideration, which is fine. There ought to be consideration, the United States government giving compensation to those immigrant families that were separated at the border uh, under the Trump administration. Um, and that's fine. No one is opposed to that, at least of all me. But um, it, it's, it's, it's so radical, so militant, so just unfathomable to discuss our separation during the period of enslavement of the original separation that built this country um and and i wonder now folks this is a reparations week of action one of the reasons it is is because um we want to bring this bill to the floor before the end of the year if not we know the democrats are going to be too afraid uh to do it in 2022 although it might help them i mean what did we learn in virginia ray they they they've got to engage the the the, the white supremacists on the Republican side are sure taking are. the gloves off. Um, they're doing CRT and everything, but it's, it's as if the Democrats want to act like you know the race problem is not real. Um, they don't want to talk about it. They're afraid to talk about it. They're afraid by saying things that will empower the black base in the Democratic Party. It's going to empower more of the white base, exactly. white base in the Republican Party. And I think that's a, a backwards way of thinking. H.R. 40 might actually uh, uh, get more African-Americans. Well, yeah, I don't know what happened to the Democrats. You know, the Democrats, you know, that's like, like that beeline in movie. What happened to you? You know, my, you know, my father, when I was a kid, 
you you would he wouldn't even think about voting uh, Republican. He was a lunch bucket steel worker. Now it seems that the working class that the Republicans have grabbed that entire working class and the Democrats are seen as elitist, pointy-haired, East Coast liberals. And, you know, right, and, right. I, you know, I think the Democrats have to really take, uh, I mean, we, you know, they talked about the autopsy the Republicans did after they lost the 2012 election. I think the Democrats got to do that too. And, and they've got to get back to mm-hmm, their mm-hmm. roots which is not in this kind of middle of the road, right of center, you know, two, you know, kind of foot shuffling stuff to really going back to their roots about what's really going on in black America and dealing with it. It's like, I don't know when we became like this elitist party that you know, you had to have a PhD or something to have be a Democrat, and it was some people that were far, far, you know, to the, uh, you know, the left, so far out. And I mean, we know there's been the presence of, uh, you know, Bernie Sanders and others like that. But you know, we're we're very alienated from the very base that the Republicans you know, have now yeah. in their control. And um, yeah, I don't know where it's going, to be honest with you. You know, I still think we need a black political party, but that's another <laughs> yeah, yeah. discussion. I, 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 I wish. Yeah. More MIP after this message. Hey, peeps. It's your girl, Danielle Moody, host of Woke AF Daily. Every weekday, I'm sounding the alarm and keeping you woke to all the pure evil that is going on in our country. Check me out now at patreon.com slash woke AF. Get five new shows every week for just $5 a month. Get woke and stay woke as fuck. I mean, and to be honest with you, um, there's an argument to me, right? The Democratic Party is already a black political party. It would not exist without our votes. But 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 we don't act like right. it and they don't act like it. Uh, you know, we need to act exactly. like it and demand that for what it is and then make them do what we want, because then it would it, it, it that would really make um, um, a great deal of, of difference. Folks, Ray Winbush is at Morgan State uh, University, the work he's doing. And again, we were part of a conversation this weekend. I, I just want to share something with you, Ray. I'm um, I'm on Instagram uh, and. Okay. You know, when you sometimes Instagram just pulls you in and you can just be there surfing all day, looking at pictures and looking at stuff. And if you look at one thing, the algorithm keeps sending you the same thing to look at over and over again. So right. a few weeks ago, I'm not going to lie, somebody at one of these kennels had posted some pictures of some cute little newborn puppies. Right. And, you know, people like puppies and cats on social media. So I'm looking at the, I just looked at the puppies one time. They're adorable. Now I can't get puppies out of my timeline. But then, you know, I'm looking, these are like real kennels that breed puppies. Uh, so I said, let me, I mean, there was right. some interesting stuff I didn't know. I learned a lot about breeding puppies. I just got kind of interested late, up late one night. And then how the mother weans the puppies. And then as you see all these little adorable puppies with the mother, then after about eight weeks, the puppies start getting sold off. So I'm thinking, well, I wonder how the mother feels about that, or a dog is just made to be that way. Is that what it is? 
And is that what, if, if people believe that animals are just good with that, is that what, was that the same argument? So I took it a whole another place, which makes me not a very fun person on Instagram. Uh, <laughs> is that the mentality that was used with us? We were like puppies or horses, bred to then be taken away from, you know, once our mothers, as soon as they got finished breastfeeding us, they even had puppies uh, breastfeeding other puppies, other dogs' puppies. Like our mothers were breastfeeding white people's in the house's family. So it's like, I, I just had to look at that. And, and I know this is, you know, it's about to be the holidays and folks probably going to get a puppy for Christmas. I, I, but I, it just, I took it there. I said, this is how they used to treat us. And maybe puppies, maybe that's what puppies are made. Because obviously some of them mothers and puppies, you, when you have 20 puppies, some of them look like they're ready for them to, to go because they're kind of worn out. But, <laughs> but we were human beings. And they took our that's children. Right. It was like they literally thought we were animals like dogs and cats and horses, right? That's right. Still do. Still do. And you know, Mark, first of all, I'm going to steal that analogy in my next speech. But, but, you know, Asa Hilliard says something very similar to what you said about how do you train a dog to be a sheep dog and, and you raise them around sheep. And pretty soon they start acting like a sheep. And so that that's why they're safe to herd right. the other right. sheep. So I, I, I think that it is, I mean, I think, and, and see, I'll put it this way. I think that they still think of us that way. I've been listening to some of the Ahmaud yeah. Arbery trial. I don't know how certain human beings can do that to other individuals. And then, and I know it's legal maneuvering, but and then try to make him the criminal in that situation. They were protecting themselves. They killed him in self-defense. And and I think they still think of us that way, that we're good for breeding, we're good for, uh, you know, work, even though they call us Mm -hmm. lazy, you know, all of that. It's it's a mentality that Ta-Nehisi Coates talks about that they have not been able to shake since they brought us to right. this country. And, and, it's, and it's existential that they, that they are in self-defense of us. Our very existence is a threat to theirs. Uh, another dear uh, comrade of ours, Dr. Francis Chris Wilson, and, and you also published a book of remembrances of her. Um, she helped to codify that. Uh, Ahmaud Arbery right. running, jogging away from them was still a threat simply because he was a black man and the fear of our genetics um, and our power and our melanin um, is is that way. So no, no, this is, folks, this is a very important moment. We're asking people to tweet and Instagram and Facebook with the hashtag HR40 to the floor. The Democrats in leadership, oh, we're scared because it's gonna hurt people in the midterm. Well, if you don't do something like you haven't been doing, uh, you're not going. You, you, if you're not going to pass Build Back Better, which doesn't look like you are, not do anything else, you better pass something. Um, you're going to be hurting. I mean, you're not defending voting rights. You're not stopping voter suppression by getting it rid of the filibuster. You're not speaking of D.C. Ray, not passing D.C. statehood. Uh, uh, all That's of right. these, and again, why is in D.C. the 51st state? Because of its history uh, of, of black right. people and black empowerment. 
But folks, we want HR 40 passed. And and Ray, HR 40 is the only piece of all these pieces of legislation. George Floyd, DC statehood, uh, John Lewis, uh, uh, for the people. That if, mm-hmm. as all of those passed the House, and then Manchin was able to block it in the Senate, HR 40 is the only one that if it would pass the House, Joe Biden right. could do it by executive order and just forego the Senate. That's why it's, and we're going to put him on the back. He said, Ray, he said to you that you had his back and now he's going to get yours. <laughs> well, you know, to me, he hasn't even gotten around to having my side, letting on my back. You know, he's got my stomach, I guess, you know, but, you know, you know, but we, you know, we've been, it's like a deja vu experience, Mark. You know, we see us giving these people the vote. And then when they get in office, thank you, you know, right. bye. And then everything is that is compromised. I, I, I said over the next few days, I'm going to read this Build Back Better bill, which is 2,000 pages long. And I'm going to see how much they cut out of HBCUs. That's right. That's right. Which, because, you know, that's near and dear to my heart. And I hope that we aren't the first to be slashed in that direction. So we always give them our vote, but then they just, I mean, we're like a, I mean, if I can use this language, it'd be good for you, but we're, we're like a, I want to say like a $5 woman of the night. Mm. So that we just, we lay there, do what we're paid to do. And then they just toss us aside and throw five dollars on the bed. I don't even think it's five dollars. You know, it, it might not be, because I mean I don't know. So, you know, you it's easy to be cynical about the Democrats. It's very easy. Right. It's not easy. Is I mean it's very easy to be cynical about the Republicans, but increasingly, the Democrats are just they got to do something different. Yeah. That's all. They just got to do something different. And this is an opportunity. Just one other thing I'll say, folks. We uh, There's a combination between co-sponsors and committed yes votes on HR 40 that totals 208. If that's accurate, I'm pretty sure that's accurate as today. That means we just need 10 more votes. And I've even had to sell some black members of Congress. 208 members of Congress on HR 40. Ain't but 50 members of the Black Caucus. That means two-thirds of them white folks. You know how, how, how right. black folks are. We need to be validated by white folks. I tell them, look here, I got 200 white folks who want who ready to vote yes on this. So it must be right. That's, it must be right. That's right. <laughs> so, so that's right. So and but, but, go ahead. No, and you're absolutely right. I mean, what are we afraid of? I mean, what are the black folk? Every black person should have automatically signed off on this and use what you just said. Most white people have the you know the vast majority of the sponsors of the bill are white folks, and I don't know. And see, the fear I got if we don't pass this by the end of the year, next year is an election year and ain't nothing going through Congress. And then when we start emerging, we may have different members of Congress because of this gerrymandering thing. Yeah. And then somebody will say, Well, we got to be careful because. We don't want to lose the 2024 general election. So it's always, like Toni Morrison said, it's always something that they're going to put in our paths. So we got to get this done now. We got to get it done now. Folks, HR 40 to the floor. Use that hashtag all this week and beyond, but especially this week. Ray Winbush, uh, Director of the Urban Research Institute at, at Morgan State University. Look, HBCUs, that's a, again, that's part of 
what Ray and I were talking about in terms of wealth, HBCUs, homeownership, those are the vestiges of slavery that also age up. So we're not just talking about enslavement. These are things that continue to happen to us. Ahmaud Arbery, his death is a vestige of slavery. These are ongoing things that need to be remedied. And the toll keeps going higher uh, uh, the, the, the more we go on. So something has to be done. Should America pay? Uh, uh, slavery and yes. raging debate. Yes, yes. Get the book, Belinda's petition, as well. It's not you're not you're going to be hearing more from Ray Winbush as this as this um, as this debate continues uh, to rage. All we're we're just we we made a lot of progress. This is the most progress we've made, and there's only going to be more progress to be made as a result. Professor Winbush, Doctor Winbush, thank you um, uh, for joining us, my brother. And yeah, HBCUs have to be included in reparations conversation in Maryland. Just have to mention it. Maryland had to sue the state. I mean, HBCUs in Maryland had to sue the state of Maryland because right. HBCUs don't get with the funding that white schools get. All That's right? right. That's the fact. All of our HBCUs, not just the students protesting at Howard, but all of our HBCUs are, are suffering uh, under lack of resources and, and poor housing conditions. And and they're still educated. Guess what, folks? Breaking news. The majority of, of black folk who are educated in higher education are still being educated at HBCUs nowhere else. Right. I don't care how That's many football right. players you see at University of Alabama. That's right. Right, right. That's, That's exactly right. Exactly right. Keep up the good work, brother. Thank you. Ray Winbush, folks. HR 40 to the floor. Thank you, Ray. Okay. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.